Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of the Testudo Talk podcast. I'm Emmett Siegel alongside my co-host, Andrew Chodis. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing well, Emmett. How are you? Doing well. Excited for this episode. I think we got, we got a good one a lot of people are going to like. Mm-hmm. Uh, later in the episode, we'll be joined by Jamie Kaiser. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar with Jamie, he's going to be on the Maryland men's basketball team next year. He's a four-star recruit out of Northern Virginia. He's playing his uh, final year of high school basketball down at IMG Academy in Florida. Uh, but he'll be with the Terps next year. So, uh, you know, we talked to him uh, kind of just about everything, about his journey to Maryland, why he chose Maryland, what we can expect from him. Uh, I know I'm super excited, Andrew. I'm sure you uh, you share that sentiment. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was a great listen, great, a great talk uh, with Jamie. Definitely sounds really excited to come to College Park next year and hope, hope you guys enjoy what we what we had a chat with him about. Absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're going to try and keep, especially over the summer, as maybe, uh, you know, some of the sports wind down going to try and keep some of this uh, more interesting off-season coverage uh, going for you guys, you know, keep keep everyone on their toes a bit and remember to, you know, follow the podcast and everything all, you know, like it, review it, uh, you know, give us feedback. Yeah, no, hopefully some more interviews for you guys. We will be able to pump out uh, through the summer if that's a goal. So we can hopefully get out to you guys. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and as we get into the fall and, and football and everything, we'll, we'll have some 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 good stuff for coming for you guys as well. Um but there was some basketball news uh, that that we feel like we should talk about, uh, you know, before we get into the interview, and, and we will in just a couple minutes. Uh, Ian Martinez, a guard from from the team, uh, last two years was at Utah before. He entered the transfer portal kind of unexpectedly um, late last week. Andrew, what was your first reaction to it? I know mine. I, I was a bit surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was really surprised. I think that a lot of people were assuming for this upcoming season he could be someone that could possibly slide into a starting role that shooting card at that shooting guard position, or if not, provide really meaningful minutes off the bench. Um, I think we all know his outstanding perimeter defense, um, the energy he could provide. So again, I think a really shocking departure. Um, I was definitely, uh, ta- you know, taken by surprise. But, I mean, you covered the team last year. You, you saw Ian, you know, saw his impact off the bench. Just what, what are your thoughts on this? The biggest thing that always stood out to me about Ian's game is, is his athleticism. Huh. And it's hard, you know, in the Big Ten – to, you know, to find these 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 elite NBA level athletes in, in any conference in all of college basketball, it's hard to find a guy with the athleticism that Ian Martinez has. And for all the holes he may have had in his game that a lot of people, you know, maybe criticize him for, you can't deny that he, he provided a spark off the bench. And after his first year with the Terps, um, you know, it, it was a tough year for him. I won't lie; he he was pretty much ineffective completely offensively. He was also coming off a meniscus injury um, that forced him to miss the whole summer. He got hurt. He got knocked unconscious on the court. I did a, a story on him. Um, I don't know. Maybe I cursed him, but I, I did a story on him during the season and uh, dur- during this past season. And, you know, we talked about his first year at Maryland. It was just hard for him to you know get comfortable. He he got he ran into a player's knee and was unconscious on the court. And that took him some time to come back from. And, you know, he never really found his footing. But then in his second year, Kevin Willard comes in. I think establishes a, a style that fit him a lot better, you know, a lot more like defensive oriented, like relying on that energy and getting out in transition and using that athleticism a bit. And I think we saw him blossom into a really good player. And uh, I think he's definitely going to be missed next year. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I think you mentioned how you wrote the story kind of on, on his life and correct me if I'm wrong. He's the, was he the first Costa Rican to play division one basketball? Just is that? Uh, I'm not sure he's the first Costa Rican to play division one, but I think the classification was first Costa Rican to play like, 
major okay. division one basketball. So definitely like setting an example yeah. for uh, for some people back home. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a trailblazer, obviously an inspiration to a lot of people. You can read Emmett's story, but I think what was also very surprising to me is because this was the second time he transferred, I think that the rules state that he has to sit out a, a year of eligibility. So definitely add some more questions. into. The Unless mix. he gets a waiver, of course, which he... who knows these days. But it's definitely something just to think about, right? If you're going to transfer twice with back of your mind, know that there's a chance you might have to miss an extra year. There had to be some some reason that we don't know why he decided to leave College Park. But, you know, the best of him uh, wherever he decides to go. Um, from all that I've heard from you, he's a great player on the, on and off the court. Yeah, absolutely. I think he was, he's a great guy from from my experiences, a really nice guy. But like you said, he you know probably going to have to sit out another year. That definitely raises some questions about why he left. Um, but I think it, in my estimation, what it kind of probably boiled down to was just that he's going to be a senior next year. And you look at the roster and, you know, Jameer Young's coming back. And then you got Deshaun Harris Smith coming in, probably going to start at the two. You look at Ian Martinez, maybe, you know, competing, like you said, for that, that starting spot, the three, but then you bring in Jamie Kaiser, who, you know, we'll, we'll get to his interview in a minute. Um, that kind of, was a contender to play in that similar role. And then Jordan Geronimo is coming in. Who's kind of like a bigger Ian in that athleticism sense. So you just wonder maybe Kevin Willard made it clear or, or maybe just kind of alluded to the fact that maybe Ian wasn't going to get the minutes he wanted as a senior. It's hard to blame someone for not wanting to take a huge step back and, and kind of, he was probably, if we're looking at it realistically, he was probably going to play a very similar role to his junior year. And if he's a guy that has ambitions of, playing professionally, playing in the NBA. Um, and I don't think that's in the cards for him, but, um, you know, he's got, he's got a while uh, to develop his game, especially in the offensive end. But if he's a guy who wants to make that happen, you know, it's hard to do that from a sixth man role. And it, it was kind of shaping up like that might be what was in store for him in the winter. Yeah. And I guess I'll pose this question to you. This is something that we've discussed, you know, off the podcast. Now that Willard has an open scholarship position, do you think he tries to attack someone for the front court, a, a big man, or do you think he tries to kind of solidify that three spot, just in your opinion? If I had to guess, I think he's going to go for a big man. Um, I think that's probably a much more pressing need. Let me just look at like the scholarship allocation right now in, in the biggest hole, I think that you can look at the roster and C is down low and is specifically providing a little bit of reprieve for Julian Reese. And, you know, maybe Callum Swanton Roger takes a big step. Maybe he provides that, you know, off the bench, big man presence. I can give you a couple minutes a game when, when Reese either gets in foul trouble or, or needs a rest, whatever it may be. Cause you can't expect to, you know, throw him out there for 40 minutes a game. But um, I don't know who's out there. You know, there, there's, there's, there's plenty of players in the portal, but the question is, is there a guy who, is better than what you're expecting to get out of Callum Swan Roger and maybe Braden Pierce, although I'm not sure he's going to play really at all in his freshman year. And yeah. if, if you're betting on Callum Swan Roger to take that big step, that's a big gamble because he's an unproven guy. And, you know, he had his moments. I think there's something there, but he's definitely unproven as a guy that, you know, playing a major role on a team. Well, what I think we're trying to get at here for our listeners is I think next year's roster is going to be constructed really similar to last year's where you're going to have an above, you know, average size backcourt, but your front court is going to be undersized. And I think that, you know, Will's going to kind of have to manage that in year two. It's going to be a really, really similar roster to what, to what we saw in the, in, in a really, you know, really a really good season for, for Kevin Willard's first year. But again, obviously looking to take that next step. Can they do that with, with us, with a smaller size front court? I don't know. 
Yeah. And, and here, here's the thing. Like if Julian Reese evolves as a player and he like can shoot, then oh, wow. it, it, it negates a lot of your issues. Or if Julian Reese even takes that step forward. I mean, he was, he was incredible down the stretch. You know, he was, he was an all big 10 caliber player. I would say he went toe to toe and held his own, if not outplayed guys like Zach Eady, um, you know, some, some of the other big men like Trey Jackson Davis had a great game against Maryland in the regular season, but Julian Reese is holding his own out there. And, and same thing with Hunter Dickinson, you know, we know Hunter Dickinson, um, you know, he got dunked on by Callum Swanton Roger, but like, and like, that's like a little clip that like people love to share, but like, there's, there's no doubt that like, like Callum held his own out there and, and I'm not expecting him to do that for 35 games next year, yeah. but there's obviously something there. So, um, it might not be like the most dire need of all time, you know, for them to to find a backup for Julian Reese. But if you're if you're asking where, and I know this was like a question to go, but if you're asking where um where that scholarship's gonna go, my guess is a big man. I'm just not sure who, because I'm not sure who's out there that is a a huge upgrade over what you have and B um gonna come to Maryland. I mean, you know, it's 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 hard to sell it's hard to sell a really good guy on being like a sixth man behind Julian Reese. Yeah, no, absolutely no. Good points there. It's, you know, it's not it's not really worth it to speculate. Again, like I think we've said in Bob's before, seeing on the other roster shape town is something you need to reevaluate in the next few months. Definitely. Um, I, I think right before we'll get to the interview in, in one minute, I think um, you know, you, you mentioned this to me. We should talk about this uh the new offensive lineman coming into Maryland. Uh, you know, probably a uh a spot that that needs some shoring up. Um yeah, uh, uh, on the on the offensive line, there are a lot a lot of losses. Andrew needs uh, might be an understatement wanna... of it. I, it it is it is more than pressing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I think that when when you when you when you looked at Maryland's roster uh, coming into this season, you definitely look at the trenches as the place that needs to be uh, replenished. And you know, perhaps a little bit of uh, replenishing happened. Um, we're recording this Monday evening, so uh, you know this will come out Tuesday morning. Uh, Michael Purcell coming in as a transfer to Maryland. Interesting story. It's going to be his seventh year of college football. He he played at Elon, transferred to Duke in uh, December, I believe. And then in April decided that Duke wasn't for him. And, you know, in the world that we live in of college sports, you know, now he, he's going to play at Maryland in the fall. Um, you know, obviously we, we, we just mentioned it. They, they need offensive line help. Where do you think he fits in to next year's roster? No, I, I mean, I mean, I think that the one the one thing you can never have enough of on an offensive line is depth. So at the worst, this provides some sort of of depth, whether he starts or is a whatever a backup. It's it's gonna it's a it's a it's a helpful need, um, I guess. But something Loxley mentioned a lot during his opening press conference was that he wants to have experience on both sides of the ball. So I, obviously, when you get someone that's played seven years in college football, um, that's a ton of experience, and you know, coming from. Duke to go to Maryland. I think he's already warmed to warm, warm his heart for some Maryland fans. But um, again, I, I don't I don't think there can be anything negative said about him. Again, we're only a few hours removed from the news. We haven't had enough time to really dive dive into him. But from what we know at the beginning, has experience, fulfills a need. So yeah, um, you're probably already going to see a couple transfers start on that offensive line. You're probably going to see yeah. you know probably two guys in that in that starting offensive line at least that are that weren't with the program last year um and you know colton deary left uh for tcu and like you said depth is really the name of the game when you're talking about the offensive line 
And uh, to bring in a guy that, like you said, has a lot of veteran experience, you know, maybe a steady presence in that room that, that experienced a lot of turnover and kind of lost probably two of its, its most vocal leaders uh, in the offseason, Jalen Duncan and Spencer Anderson. Um, yeah, I don't think you can understate kind of how much it mean, means to bring in a guy like that, that that can kind of steady the ship. Yeah, no, and, and I kind of circle back. You say when you, it's not you don't just lose like Duncan and, and oh my god, Duncan and Anderson. You lose two as we've seen NFL caliber offensive linemen. You know both of them got drafted. So this is going to be a unit that's going to probably learn game to game, and they're going to struggle a lot. Probably, I mean, realistically, right? they're going to struggle once conference play starts. But all you could hope is that they give Talia enough time to get out of the pocket to scramble and make some plays because as we've seen in the past two, three years against some of these high caliber Big Ten opponents, you know, the defensive line, the rushers, they're just some of the best in the country. And to have a, a unit right now with a lot of transfers, it's going to be it's going to be a tough adjustment for Maryland. No doubt about yeah, it. The good thing about Maryland's schedule uh, this upcoming years, you know, the non-conference schedule is relatively weak. You know, you uh-huh. should get a, a couple of weeks there, if nothing else, just to kind of like gel as a unit and, and kind of figure out each other's strengths and weaknesses. And then you, you can kind of take it from there as the season heats up. Um, I think we should we should jump right into this interview with Jamie Kaiser. Uh, I think the people are really going to like it. Jamie's a seems like a, a great guy. You know, I've seen him play a, a bit in high school before he went down to Florida, and definitely the kind of guy that you know when he gets hot, there's no stopping him on the court. I, you know, like we said, he might he might start next year for the team as a freshman. Might have two freshmen in that starting lineup. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, we'll we'll be all summer. You know, just speculation. That's pretty much what we're going to be doing. Just you know, speculating this summer. Uh, about about the next moves uh, for the team. And, you know, we'll see what they do with the last scholarship spot. But let's jump right into the interview. Uh, here's Jamie Kaiser. Well, we are now joined by a special guest. We're joined by Jamie Kaiser, incoming freshman for the Maryland men's basketball team. Jamie, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah, well, I just wanted to kind of, you know, start off with, with a pretty general question. You know, I know you're down at IMG now. Uh, know after playing at Ireton for a bit how's it been down in Florida this past season it's been really good uh the weather's really nice (laughs) year round especially in those like November to February months I really liked it but other than that like it really helped me develop I think to get ready for college so yeah for sure Jamie and then you know just kind of for for Maryland fans if you had you know how to describe yourself you know Jamie Kai's the player Jamie Kai's the person you know how do you describe yourself to Maryland fans uh, I'd say I was like an energetic guy. Uh, I like to play hard. Um, I can make some shots. I like to play defense, but really just that type of energy that uh, that gets the building going. I feel like that's what I bring uh, to a team and uh, the school. Right. And w- what was it about uh, Maryland? You know, you obviously you went through the whole recruiting process, kind of wrapped that up, at least, uh, you know, most of it up, uh, you know, late last summer. What was it about Maryland and, you know, Kevin Willard and what he's building that, that kind of attracted you and, you know, led to you making that decision to come to College Park? Well, I really just wanted to play right away. And when he gave me that opportunity, I was like, I really couldn't pass on it. Very few schools gave me that opportunity. And when he said it, I just jumped on right when he told me. And it just so happened to be so close to home. And I really appreciate that because if it was a school and like anywhere else, I still would have gone just because – I would have been able to play right away, but just it being home just makes it that much more special, and I appreciate it a little bit more so I can play in front of my family and my friends. 
Yeah, Jamie, you mentioned playing at home in front of your family and friends. Obviously, the incoming freshman class, it kind of leads DMV. You know, and what does it kind of mean mean to play at a school like Maryland, you know, in the DMV, close to your home, in front of your, in front of your family and friends? It means so much because then you can get a more pipeline of kids coming up, you know, from the AAU teams and middle school and high school and kind of be like uh, an example of what could happen if you bring guys from the area to a school like Maryland and a Big Ten conference and stuff like that. You know, I, I've seen, uh, you know, you and some of the other incoming guys, you know, uh, Deshaun and, and Jonathan Lamoth and, uh, you know, Braden Pierce and stuff. You guys kind of talking on social media and stuff like that. What kind of relationship have you guys developed? I mean, I know that, you know, you and Braden aren't on the same teams, but, you know, you, you guys are at the same school and then the other two guys are from the area. What kind of prior relationship do you have with the uh, with the other incoming freshmen? Oh, I've known Deshaun since I was like 12 years old, sixth grade, seventh grade, played with them AAU. Uh, play with them in uh, different middle school leagues and stuff like that. You know, I'm outside right now playing pickup with my friends, and uh, me and him used to do that all the time in the summertime, especially during COVID. And then with John, I played AAU with John since I was a freshman. So just getting that, it's just a different type of relationship uh, with each of them, but they're, they're still good in their own way. But with John, he's a very unselfish player playing with him. I probably play way more games with him and understanding how he likes to play. And uh, with Braden, uh, yeah, I went to school with him this past year. And you get to see him on a daily basis. So you get to see kind of him grow as a player. And then you get to be around him as a person a little bit more than I would have with the other two just because we're there every day, all day. So they're all t different relationships, but I still think they're special and they would help our team next year just because we know each other. Yeah, Jamie, was there, like, you know, a particular point when you were in high school or AAU when you kind of had a feeling with some of those guys that, you know, we, we have a chance to play at the next level, you know, with these players and friends? And then also to add on to that, a few weeks ago, you played in the Capitol Classic with some of those guys. What was that experience like? Um, I'd say, like, uh, I think it came into a realization when I started getting those Power 5 offers last year, uh, like, in the summer. And then realizing that they had the same ones and they had the same types of interests and what they wanted to do. And then we all ended up choosing Maryland. And as far as the Capitol Classic, it was awesome. Uh, the fact that they put us all on the same team, I thought was pretty special. And we got to go through a practice with each other, uh, play with each other. And I thought it was pretty cool. It was only two days, but I still think I got a lot out of it just as far as knowing uh, their, their games and how they like to play in mind. Because we've grown since we played together, so. You know, you were also a football player for a while. I know you were considering playing college football, and it seemed like your recruitment really kind of skyrocketed once you made that decision to play basketball. What, what, what went into that decision to you know choose to focus on basketball, and where do you see yourself going in your basketball career? You know, by the time it's over. Yeah, well, as far as my basketball career, my goal is just probably like every other kid is just to make it to the NBA and play as long as I can. But as far as that decision, it was a tricky one because I was going to commit to Maryland to play football when coach Enos was still there and coach Loxley was obviously a great coach, a great recruiter. He gets kids every year, but I wanted to really try the basketball thing. I didn't know how Maryland was going to be in the picture because Willard had just gotten there. But once I told people that I was done playing football and I started playing basketball, like you said, this recruitment just picked up, you know, it helped that I was playing well too. And then Maryland came into the picture and then ultimately I, I decided to go with them, but I thought it was just a crazy situation because it happened so quickly but it worked out for the best yeah you know one of your assets that that we've seen is your ability to shoot the ball shoot the three-point ball that's 
something you know that Maryland fans have kind of been longing for the past the past year or so. What do you think uh, you can provide, especially on the perimeter when when, when you hop into the lineup this, this next season? Sorry, uh, I'm a little bit more physical than people expect, so I can go to the basket. I feel like that's what opens up my three pointer so much. Uh, give myself open looks and just try to focus on my shot, stay disciplined, and knock it down. But I feel like on the perimeter, I, my, my best asset is defense because I get to use my my bigger frame. And uh, I feel like it fits the Big Ten pretty well. Those a bunch of guys on the wing are that are even bigger than me, so I feel like I fit in pretty well. This will be my last question, but uh, you know, I asked you about what your relationship is with uh, some of those those other incoming guys in your specific class. But what kind of communication have you had with the guys that are coming back from last year's team that you know maybe you'll you'll be playing alongside with you know this summer and, and in the winter? Not much. I mean, I talked to Noah Bachelor a little bit because you know he went to IMG. Uh, we have the same coach and everything like that, and Jameer a little bit as far as him coming back and just being ready when I get in there. But other than that. Haven't really talked to the guys coming back. It's such a crazy time right now, especially with the portal. You see, like, Martinez just left. You expect guys like that to come back. You just – I feel like it's hard because you get so close to people and then they can end up leaving. You don't really know your team is until really the the fall before the season starts. So uh, I'm just going to tread lightly and just try to make the relationships that I can with the people that are there when I get there. Yeah, Jamie, is there a, a current player on Maryland or, you know, any any player of all time that, that you try to model uh, your game after and you kind of aspire to be in that Maryland uniform? Uh, Not specifically Maryland. I used to go to the games, you know, a lot when Des Wells was there. And then I went to a couple when Kevin Herter was there. But as far as my overall game, I like to watch uh, Devin Booker a lot. Same size, same type of uh, play style. So I like to watch him a lot. But yeah, as far as the Maryland guys, I was definitely a big Des Wells fan back in the day. Great. Awesome. Well, uh, Andrew, do you have one more? Or? No, I'm, if you I'm, if you got anything, I'm in. No, I'm I'm good, Jamie. This has been great. I uh, really appreciate you coming on. We're super excited to see what you do uh, with the Terps. Thank you. Thanks, Jamie. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.